and welcome to the Pack Heavy podcast. Now this podcast is for anyone who works in the hospitality and food manufacturing industries who use flexible packaging to get their products to market. Featuring interviews with guests who have traveled the path that you're on so that you can learn from their successes and failures and engage in the mindset required to go all in on your vision. I call this mindset the Pack Heavy mentality and it's primarily driven by deliberate action and extreme organization. You gather market intelligence, put a strong plan in place, organize the appropriate resources, and then confidently test your hypothesis against reality. So if you're ready to pack heavy on your vision, you're in the right place, and I'm excited to have you here. Good morning, and welcome to episode 68, where today I have guest Heather Toffanello, who is a co-owner at Nono's Pasta Shop, along for a good chat. Heather and her sister Haley, who is the other half of the co in Kawona, like many, spent a lot of time as children watching their grandparents cook. And when it came to be that the recipe torch was passed down to them, they knew that they had to make some big changes in order to suit their vegan lifestyles. Now, Nono's is Canada's first fully vegan pasta brand that provides authentic Italian flavors to both the plant-based and plant-curious community. Their products are inspired by generations of family recipes and can be found in a small variety of select retail and online locations. Today's episode digs right into the Nono startup story with Heather, where she generously shares the many challenges encountered, wins celebrated, and some insights into the future direction of the business. As always, before we start today's conversation with Heather, just a quick two-minute mention of our show sponsor, Food Pack. Now, I talk a lot about our stock bags and custom printer packaging here at Food Pack, which is a core pillar of what we offer. Our quality is outstanding, and we work really hard to nail down exactly what your product's barrier and shelf life needs are, and how your consumer will ultimately interact with the bag. It shouldn't be a difficult transaction or conversation, and it's something that we knock out of the park every day. The other thing that I would like to highlight though is our equipment offering like Cipramac vacuum chamber machines, Plexpack band sealers and repack tray sealers and thermoformers. Now I always start by sitting down with my clients to discuss their current output requirements and ensure that the capital investment that they're about to embark on will grow well into the future with their business. We also have an outstanding in-house service and tech team who are available to maintain and work on all of your equipment to keep you operational 24-7. So if you're looking to get into the retail market for the first time and looking for packaging or you would like me to assess your existing packaging and equipment program, head along down into the show notes where you will find the Foodpack website and feel free to get in touch with me directly by emailing me at hayden at foodpack.ca or by calling me on 604-360-6790. Heather, welcome to the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. You're welcome. You and I have been chatting for a while, actually. And in fact, I went back and had a look through my work emails and you were one of my very first clients here at Food Pack. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. I know that. Yeah, the two of you walked on in and we're talking yep. about, you know, sealing up a tray and came and into the showroom and had a good chat. Yeah. You remember the tray didn't work? It oh, I do. I remember it all. Yeah. I mean, I was so new to the industry and, you know, getting out and having a like one of the first conversations by myself without any sort of training or assistance by my side at the time. Obviously, at Food Pack, I was really lucky in that we've got an awesome team and, you know, they've provided great training. But, you know, when you actually get let go off into the real world, you guys were one of my first conversations. So thanks for putting up with me. Well, we wouldn't have been able to tell that it was your first time. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first time in sales, just the first time selling a tray sealer. <laughs> love it yeah cool so obviously at the time you guys were like in early early stages like foundational stages I think you may have just been tossing around an idea and just started you know small-scale production and you guys have come a long way you've been at trade shows and I've seen you guys out out and about and you've got a beautiful brand that's established so I guess the premise of today's conversation is digging right into it like all of the you know the lessons that you've learned and the trials and tribulations and you know before we kicked off in the show we're also talking about the challenge of being like an entrepreneur and a mum and balancing all of that so a lot to chat about today but where are you from where'd you grow up 
So Haley and I both grew up um, in a small northern Ontario town called Simmons. Simmons. Um, we grew up. It's like it's like there's a large indigenous population, of course, and then um, a lot of Italians um, and a lot of French. So yep. uh, my our grandparents came over, and um, they had five boys. Yeah. And almost all of their boys had girls. So we grew up in this like very large family of like all girl cousins. Um, we all lived within like three blocks of each other. Yeah. So super close knit family. Um, yeah, it was good. I mean, we, it's a small town. So, you know, there's not a, a ton to do. There's not mm. a lot of opportunity. I don't want to knock on it because I really do romanticize it when I think about it, because it's like, you know, there's so many people close to my heart there. Yeah. Um, and lots of, lots of snow, but, uh, yeah, it was good. By the time we both turned 18, we moved away. Like Haley went to, she went to Guelph university mm -hmm. and U of Ottawa, um, to do, uh, her teaching certificate, <laughs> like bachelor, bachelor of education. education. Yeah. Yep. So um, I should have had her on here, but, uh, and then I left at 18 and moved to Toronto, um, kind of had like a really weird way of doing my my undergrad so mm -hmm. I started off um at a university called Glendon it's like the French campus of York not wow. a lot of people know about it but it's in like northern Toronto the north part of Toronto and I did that for a year and I was like I like I don't know what I want to do with my life I'm 18 years old like what am I doing at school I'm not like Haley was like very type a like academic focus like she knew what she wanted to do from like the time she was 16 right from the start yeah right from the start I was a bit more of like a zigzag like you know to get to the point um so I did one year there and then took a year off and worked and then I actually went back to school for um like the music industry so I, I did a business course uh, or uh, it was like a college college degree um for the music industry and then through that private college I actually got um, a scholarship to go finish my undergrad in Scotland so it was like a really roundabout way of getting my education yeah. um, but that's kind of how I operate in the world it's just like not it's never like a to b for me so yeah, yeah. and then yeah that, that's that's about our so the music industry so what was drawing you to that sort of part of the world especially the business side of it maybe it was like like generated from like my angsty teenness like you know how when you're like angry teen and you just connect to like some form of art to like absolutely normal and like yeah all of that like anger i think maybe it started from there like we were always a big music family like i you know grew up playing the piano i got all of my like um like i got a high school credit for doing my uh grade eight piano um, I don't know, it, you know, we, again, just being Italian, like we always had music on while we were cooking mm -hmm. and like, I know, no, I know and I were always like dancing in the kitchen and yeah. just, just good vibes. Like when we used to do Saturday morning, um, tours, my dad, like blast Led Zeppelin at like eight in the morning and like awesome. get us out of bed and you know, yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. so I think that's probably where that passion came from. Um, yeah, and I guess I never like thought it would turn into a career, but it ended up being like the right path for me because yeah. I think more than anything that schooling was less about like what you learned and more about like how you put yourself out into the world and like seeking opportunities for yourself. Mm. You know, it was yeah. less about, like oh, follow path A B C D and that and you'll get to where you want to go. It's like 
no, you, these are the things that you have to do to build yourself up to get to where you want to go. Yeah. And I guess you and I grew up in an era where before there was any internet, right? So, you know, especially growing up in a small town, we didn't <laughs> we even really, <laughs> yeah, but we didn't even know really what the outside world looked like. We only knew what we knew yeah. and that was what was in front of us. Yeah. And uh, music was sort of that taste of what the, what was sort of possible out there and what else was going out into the world. And, you know, for mm-hmm. us in Australia, like, you know, it was all American culture and American music and like America was like this big place. Yeah. And, um, you know, we would always get CD releases like well after the fact, or you'd have to order a CD and it'd come all the way from overseas and, you know, it's a big deal. And then I guess for you and similar to me as well, like I moved from a country town to Melbourne and you moved from a country town to Toronto and all of a sudden there was live music and, you know, the taste of live music and there are people and like just it's an incredible sort of atmosphere to sort of be confronted with. And, uh, yeah, I can imagine the attraction for sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Definitely. I definitely like kept, well, for all of my 20s I kept like a stack of all the tickets from like all of the yeah. live shows that I had gone to yeah um yeah like the I think the first thing that I did when I moved to Toronto was like get my lip pierced and like buy all the tickets <laughs> to the shows that I could yeah you know? yeah yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, no, Toronto is great for that. I think it's Queen Street, is it? That's where all like sort of the the oh, and also what's the name of the um? There's like this massive corner where you guys have like an MTV style uh yeah, Denda Square. yeah that's right yeah, yeah yeah my wife is from um Fenland Falls up in the Quarthers so oh. we've been back quite a few times and whenever we go to Toronto she'll always sort of like take me around all the hot spots in Toronto and it's yeah, yeah. it's a great city yeah I think it's kind of like Canada's version of Times Square basically yeah yeah it's a cool little a, spot the thing is like when you live there you kind of get it's like any city you kind of get to know like the little pockets that like yep. only the locals know about yeah um, but yeah Toronto's an amazing amazing city I miss yeah. it all the time yeah I agree yeah. and then eventually you found yourself doing some freelance marketing and consulting yeah so from school like when when I finished school in Scotland I moved back to Toronto um I actually ended up working for um like a management agency which was it was great experience it was really really stressful but I think this sort of schooling had prepared me for what that was going to be like mm. um and then, I don't know, I just kind of, once I turned 25, I moved to a house with five other women and it just became the, more of like a communal living style where, yeah. you know, we'd, you know, have like weekly meetings and we'd buy groceries together. And like, it was, it was really fundamental, like looking back, it was fundamental into like me becoming who I am as like yeah. an individual. Yeah. Um, and through that, I kind of was like, screw capitalism like all this stuff like radicalized me like in the best of ways um and so I got out of my music industry job and I just started like dipping my toes into other industries Mm. but I it's it's funny because I always kind of felt this pressure to like still fit in the mold even though that is like not who I am like to any degree I always still felt a little bit a bit of that like outside pressure um and so I I always tried to work the like the desk jobs right like and so what I would do is like jump to different industries because I was like well maybe it's just the industry that's wrong so Mm -hmm. you know from music then my husband and I moved out here and I was like did healthcare for a while and then I moved into private education and so I I did my toes in all these different industries Mm -hmm. and then finally realized like it's not the industry. It's like that. I don't want to sit at a desk sending emails all day. Like yeah. that's not what I want to do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so that's when I jumped in. I was like, you know, because I have a business degree, I was like, I might as well, you know, I, I understand marketing. It's a good place to kind of like get into. Yeah. 
um, sort of like from the ground up. And yeah, so I, I did that for a while. I ended up working for um, like a startup uh, organization that ended up blowing up like hugely. Um, I, I won't get into how that didn't work out, but um, it was it was a good starting point for like me doing my own thing yeah. and just really like lit the fire inside me that like, yes, I need to work for myself, right? Yeah. So actually getting out there, getting your hands dirty and yeah, getting yeah. out from behind the desk. I know that feeling as well. Yeah. Um, and so at what point, so obviously quite a few years had passed and you guys, you obviously started a family and done your thing there. And at what point was it that the two of you sat down and said, Hey, let's think about working together. Like had this been something that you guys have been tossing around for a few years or was it sort of a bit off the cuff? Um, a bit of both. Like we had always, so Haley and I are, we're actually three sisters. Haley and I are two ah, years apart. Yep. We have a third sister. She's 12 years younger than me. Right. So, um, she's doing her own thing in her early twenties now, but Haley and I, you know, despite the fact that we are like wildly opposite in many ways, yep. we, we kind of complement each other in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. Yep. So we knew that if we ever worked together, that it would probably work out really well for us. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, for years we had talked about doing something together because what Haley did is she taught for a while and then her and her husband moved out here because he's, um, he's a retinal, uh, surgeon. Right. So they kind of had to be like placed wherever yeah. Yeah. he, you know, he got picked and, um, you know, they decided early on that they wanted to do the kid thing first and then mm. sort of like find their, find their way through life afterwards. Yeah. Um, and so I know that after three kids, she was like just itching to do something, right? She was yeah. like, and and then COVID hit and we were like, yeah, now is the time. Like, let's just, let's jump on it. And the idea of no-nos came, um, I guess, from a lot of different areas. I mean, obviously just the love of cooking and that whole, like, you know, what sort of spawns from togetherness and food and like all mm -hmm. those beautiful things we we miss that a lot being out here because we're away from our extended family right yes. and yep. and you know I think especially just being in a city and we're just at a busy season in life that like we don't get to have those like family dinners every Sunday or mm -hmm. you know things like that and so that was one element of it the other one was like I've been vegan for it's been it's 13 years this month mm -hmm. and I I knew that there was like nothing out there that came even close to like what I remember our home food tasting like. Yeah. Um, and so it was just a bit of like marrying those two ideas together. Um, we also were lucky because our extended family owned a pasta shop in Timmins. Okay. <clears throat> so our Zio, like our uncle um, started up a pasta shop probably like 30 some years ago. Mm -hmm. It's called Tuffinello's Fresh Pasta. If you're yeah. ever up in Timmins, fantastic pasta. <laughs> I'm, I'm biased, but um <laughs> Yeah. And so we kind of got to see how that whole business started. Like Haley and I were always like in there running around when they were doing the building. And like, sometimes he'd get us to come in and do some like prep work and then yell at us because we weren't doing it <laughs> properly. Um, yeah. So we kind of had that uh, in our pocket as well, which I think helped us feel a little bit more confident in, in what we were doing because we yeah. always knew that like we could call him and like see what his experience was like. Right. Mm -hmm. When, as we were growing through this. So 
That's awesome. And here we are full circle and you guys are producing oh, as well, which I'm sure you never would have had in the wildest dreams that that would have been the case. Never. No, yeah. I never, like, if you asked me like 15 years ago, like what I'd be doing, I would never say that like I'm own, like I own a pasta shop. <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? The way the world works. Yeah. And when you guys were tossing around ideas, did you have other ideas? Like, you know, did you have like a laundry list of like five ideas that you sort of had in mind or was this the one? Um, this was always the one for me. Um, we had, st- I don't even want to like put this out there, but we had started a blog yeah. a couple of years before, um, again, just as a test to like, see how we could work together. Yeah. Smart. Um, yeah. And we did like a sister Scotland trip, which was wild. And, you know, we blogged about that and whatnot, mm-hmm. but, um, that just kind of fizzled because of life. And then just, we reconnected again thinking like, okay, COVID's happening. Like now is the time to get something off the ground. And yeah. And I, I don't know, I don't want to have to say that, like, I had to convince Haley, but, like, m- maybe I did a little bit. You had to give her a nudge, like I a bit of the push. So. I think yeah. so. Like, I, yeah. in our family, like, my dad and I are both kind of known for our wild ideas, and a lot of the times they're just laughed off. But sometimes they stick, and they, they do well, so. Yep. Yeah. That's <laughs> so, yeah, awesome. I had to convince her a bit. So with a food-based CPG product, there's sort of two components, sort of, especially in the early days, there's, you know, ensuring that there's the quality and market fit and sort of doing all of that testing to make sure that there's a demand for the product. There's the building of the brand and the marketing and the sales, obviously, but then there's also the production side of things. And you guys are sort of wearing all of the hats at the moment, especially in the early days as well. So what sort of seemed daunting to you and sort of what did you naturally lean into? I don't even want to say that anything seemed daunting cool. because not to me, to, yeah. not, not to me be, because I, I'm not one to shy away from a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and if anything, it was just like more of an exciting opportunity for us to create this. Yep. Um, definitely leaned on the fact that like, I do know the vegan scene and the vegan community quite well here. Mm. Um, so that helped a lot. You know, we were able to put out surveys and whatnot in some of the plant-based groups. We were able to get vegans and non-vegans to test product, um, just because, you know, we, yeah, like I said, we could sort of leverage that community. Yeah. Um, I, I would say one of like our biggest cheerleaders at the beginning, um, was my friend, Zach Berman, who owns a juice truck. Okay. Yeah. I know Zach. Yeah. 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 And he, he was kind of like our first cheerleader and like, just really made me feel pumped that like we could do this you know he was like the first person to be like yeah yeah bring all your stuff into the store it's cool like yeah yeah we'll make it work um and sometimes you just need that one person to be like yeah like love your idea let's run with it have so, a crack yeah that's all yeah. it takes isn't it yeah, yeah. Totally, totally so um yeah I, I would say nothing felt really daunting i mean now I might change my answer into like, like where we're at now, but at the beginning it was more just of an exciting project, right? Yeah, that's cool. And while you were sort of, um, you know, getting going, where did you start? Like what was the very first thing when you put pen to paper? How did you actually get the ball rolling on the project? So <laughs> I actually, well, because I had been testing recipes for years, mm-hmm. essentially what I did, and this is what I recommend anybody who ever wants to try to go vegan or even just try vegan, take whatever recipes you're using and just veganize them. Right. It's the easiest way, right? Yep. And so that's what I did with all of our family recipes. I took all of our family recipes and I've been veganizing them over the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I had been doing lasagnas and whatnot for a long time. So I knew what kind of like ricotta fillings I wanted to do. And I thought, well, you know what? There's literally no other ravioli on the market at the moment that's vegan. Yep. So let's start there. So 
I just, I, we started just by like testing recipes. Mm-hmm. Um, like if, if you could see some of the pictures of like our first raviolis, they're, they're just awful. awful and you were out. doing everything by hand at that time. Everything by hand. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, eventually, like, I remember our first day in the commissary, like, Haley and I showed up, and it's just all these, like, really amazing cooks, and Haley and I show up with, like, our mixer, and, like, the teeny <laughs> attachment that would, like, that, like, I know the one, yeah, 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 exactly, yeah. right, and yeah. I remember the kitchen manager, she's like, yeah, you're probably gonna need something bigger than that, like, why don't we move you to the other kitchen where we have, like, a proper sheeter, and we were like, oh, yeah, okay, let's do it, you know, um, so, yeah, recipe testing was definitely, like, the first step for us, mm-hmm. um, and then, and then it was a bit of the branding because we knew branding is like, so like the aesthetics, of, you know, any it's critical. It, yeah, it's critical. Yeah. Um, and that's what people connect to, right? Like before they even taste your product. So <laughs> we did like the whole Canva design thing, which was also terrible. Um, and eventually connected up with, uh, with uh, Picant Marketing. Yeah, and Lindsay. Fish. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Lindsay. yeah, I had her on the show. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, yes, they helped us like in a lot of great ways to, to get to where we are with our branding right now. Yeah, no, they've done a fantastic job. Your website's awesome. Um, for anybody interested in checking out the website, just scroll on down in the show notes and ch- click on the link. And uh, yeah, it's really refined, but it's so basic, but that's all it needs to be. You know, you've sort of nailed it. Yeah. So I, like, I put that together myself. Yep. It's me when you were like, like sending me the questions. Cause I was like, you know, a lot of my answers are just going to be like, we're just winging it because really that's, that's, entrepreneurship for us it's entrepreneurship yeah Yeah. Yeah. it's like trial and error trial and error like constantly um Mm -hmm. and so the website i mean this is kind of jumping ahead in questions but like initially all right well our first idea was to actually open a shop like an actual Mm -hmm. pop's physical location yeah like our you know our dio did in timmins um but we quickly realized like that just wouldn't work for our lifestyle in terms of like where we are now because we have small kids um and you know covid was shutting things down so we were like opening a store it didn't make sense if we were gonna you know not only that like you know to support the uh the fixed costs of rent you know on the margins of pasta i can imagine would be very challenging exactly exactly Exactly. so that idea was scrapped very quickly um but that's where the name came from so people often think like oh you're a physical location because we have nono's pasta shop in our name Mm -hmm. So that's where that kind of came from. But, um, and then, and then our second idea was uh, just to sell directly to consumer um, through the website, but which is why we built the website. Yes. Yep. And I wanted it to be as simple as possible because I know people aren't really going to like stay a long time on a website to navigate. You know, they just want to go in and click a sale. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, as we, you know, shop online for a lot of things, I, I realized like people don't want to go to like one store for one product yeah. if that makes sense like you want yeah. to be able to like go to a store and get like like an entire grocery shop's worth and so mm-hmm. um that's we we initially had a lot of great sales um b2c but we we quickly realized that like we need to open up the retail side of things because yeah yeah, yeah. that's where the margins are as well that's where the margins are um that's where sort of like the exposure is it yeah. it, it kind of frees us up from things like weekend deliveries or yeah. staying around the kitchen for pickup. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're happy to do that, but you know, we are balancing other things in life. And so, yeah. um, 
yeah, just going the retail route was definitely, definitely more helpful for us. That's awesome. So we've obviously bumped into each other a few times at two trade shows. You were at Planted and you're also at Andrea Gray Grant's um, Good to Grow um, Expo that she had on and conference, which was awesome. awesome. Uh, Yeah, wasn't it? Just to see all of the local producers that are sort of at the same stage as you just getting up and off the ground and sort of getting out into the world and having really good conversations with, you know, potential buyers. And like you said, like direct to consumer, like conversations as well. How'd you find the trade show? It was wonderful. I think more than anything, it was just nice to be with other people. Mm. Because we started, you know, I think this was part of my review for their event too, but we like, we started a pandemic. So we, besides people in the kitchen, yeah. we weren't, we weren't talking to a lot of other people who were doing the same thing as us mm-hmm. um, besides, you know, the Instagram high five here and there. Yeah. So it was just really nice to be able to like, yeah, be in an environment with other people who are at the same stage of business development as you and, yeah, I think it just made us realize like, oh, we're a lot farther along than we thought we were, you know, because mm-hmm. we look at a brand that was sort of like at the same place as us. And we're like, oh, look, like as an outsider, they look like they're doing amazing. Right. Yeah. And so it's that whole perspective thing. Like we're so critical of ourselves, but like yeah. when other people see you, they're like, oh, no, you're you're looking and seeming to do very successful. Right? Yeah. The perception online is incredible yeah. that with the perception yeah. that you can build online. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So it was, it was great. It was so great just to like talk to people and be able to sample our product. Um, yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. I would recommend it to like any, any new food business. Yeah. And was that sort of the first time that you'd actually got in front of your consumers and done sampling and watched their faces that tasted your product? How was that experience? Yeah. Um, it was really validating because, you know, we know that we have a great product. Um, and it's just nice to hear that feedback from other people, especially Mm. non-vegans, because that's the thing. Like, I think vegans don't expect like the same flavors as they, they knew before when they, you know, ate meat or dairy, but, um, but people who aren't vegan, you know, when they say like, Oh my gosh, this tastes just like, like a ricotta ravioli that like I've eaten at home. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's the reaction that we want from people. Yeah. Um, because we want it to be as true to like the original flavor as possible. Actually, one of like the best compliments was um, we had a woman come and do some photography, some product photography for us. And she's like from Italy and her reaction to the ravioli was like the best. Like that was like, yes, we did it. Like we got it. <laughs> she was like, oh my God, it tastes just like home. She said it all with her hands. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you guys did it, but it tastes just like home. And I was like, okay. Yeah. It's like, Somebody properly from Italian from Italy said that it was good. So yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I gotta say, your ravioli is delicious, but the real knockout, I think, is your tomato sauce. Right. It okay. is delicious. Yeah, yeah. Like I love a really good tomato pasta yeah. sauce, and it is so basic. Like I think it's three ingredients, isn't yeah. it? It's like tomatoes, basil, olive oil, no, and not the, even, a little bit of garlic. There's, it's just tomatoes, oil, like, and garlic. Yeah. So basic. And that's one thing that I was really impressed by as well, because I'm not a vegan, but I do, you know, try a lot of variety in our household as well, especially being on the podcast as well. I like to taste all of the the brands that I'm interviewing. And uh, when I look on the back and have a look at the ingredients list, vegan Mm -hmm. products can be quite, you know, full of not fillers. I'm not going to say that, but full of ingredients that are required to either hold the product together or, you know, add flavor in some certain cases, but yours is really simple and really clean. Yeah, the sauce for sure. I mean, yeah. he and I are very much like anti-green marketing. Like, yeah, greenwash. You know, yeah. I, ex- exactly. I think that oftentimes people get like confused by the science 
scientific language on mm -hmm. the labeling and they'll think like, yeah, something that's just a stabilizer, just because it has like a scientific name means yeah. that it's bad for your body. Yeah. Like the one person that I love following on Instagram, her name is food science, babe. She's not vegan, but she just sort of like squashes any of those, mm -hmm. you know, those, those myths that go around about, um, food ingredients. Like we, you know, we do get those like very, very health conscious, um, consumers because yep. that's part of, you know, who we're selling to who are like, Oh, you know, what is this and this, and this in your, in your ravioli ingredients. And our ravioli is actually quite simple. We just have one ingredient that we use that happens to have a lot of like stabilizers and, yes. whatnot. Um, yep. and it's a cream cheese that we use. Right. And so we often get like asked questions about that. And so, yeah, like I'm just, we're just not on the whole like clean ingredient train because yep. I think that oftentimes it just, it's just there to like sell people like an image of. Yeah. Yeah. Really Understood. Yeah. The reality is like, I'm making this, like, I know that what I'm putting into this is not harmful ingredients. Yep. And like, you know, if you, if you ever look up the food science babe um, on Instagram, like mm -hmm. she always talks about like, the poisons in the dose. So just because there is an ingredient in there doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to like negatively affect you unless you're consuming like volumes you know, of it. Yeah. Exactly yeah. yeah. It. So, yeah. um, as much as I appreciate the whole like minimal ingredients thing, I also, now that I'm in production, I yeah. realize that like sometimes there are going to be ingredients that may look complicated to, to people looking at the back of the package, but yeah. in, in fact, they're not. And it is just really to like help keep the product longer or, yeah, stabilized ingredients, which is often in, in vegan products, right? Yeah, it's kind of, there's a lot of translation there to the cosmetics industry as well, yeah. because, it, you know, they're required or cosmetic labeling manuf well, manufacturers are required to include the actual scientific name of the ingredient, yeah. like Cocos nucifera for like coconut oil and so on, you know, right. and it looks really complicated, yeah. but if you actually like dig into it, into what, you know, all of the ingredients are, they just can be very basic ingredients or they're, you know, names of different oils and so on as well. Exactly. So yeah, a lot of similarities. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what, just because you're vegan doesn't mean like you just want to eat things that fall off of a tree all the time. Like yeah. people want junk food too, no matter what their diet is. Yeah. Right. That's and a good point. Not that this is junk food at, by any means, but you know, you can treat yourself as a vegan too. Like there's nothing wrong with that. I'm so opposed to like any sort of food shaming. I yeah. think people, you know, will eat what they need to or can afford to and, yeah. or, or, you know, what their like culture sort of like not not requires them to but you know like as a 13 year vegan for me it's just about like obviously the ethics are huge for me but mm -hmm. you know who who am i as a white woman to tell an indigenous person not to eat meat that's ludicrous like that's just ludicrous so for Out me of the culture like, yeah yeah exactly and that's just very racist like i mm -hmm. just would never do that and so for me it's more about like just moving the needle a little bit at a time, like in terms of like how I want to influence. So yep. maybe if there's somebody that is a vegan, but picks this up and is like, Hey, maybe one meal a week, yep. I'll eat vegan. And this is a good option. Cause I love ravioli, you know, yeah, like yeah. that's meaningful to me. Yeah. Understood. Yeah. Now my wife um, eats a little bit of red meat, like she'll eat chicken and fish and so on, but she'll love a really good veggie burger. So we've been going out and we tried the big mountain foods veggie burger, which is stunning oh, by the way. Yeah. yeah. Really good. I don't know if you've yeah. had that one. Like it was like a mushroom mix, I think. Yeah. Oh, they've got um, mushroom bites. And then they also have, oh, but then they've also got a lion's mane sort of like um, mushroom. Yeah, that's Crumble really good. Crumble. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Super 
all of their products are great. I actually had Jasmine Byrne on the show a couple of weeks ago and yeah, and I've checked out their facility and it's amazing. Yeah. They're doing some really cool things over there and they're, um, they're really showing um, some signs of further growth in that space as well. Like they're just, they're dropping some dollars into that facility right now for the future. It's really cool. They were on like Expo West, I think. Recently. Yeah, they were. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Did you see their suits that they were wearing? It was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> I know. The pink. And then they had like these really cool blue ones too. It was really cool. The was length sweet. that they go to. Yeah, it yeah. was cool. Amazing. So is this sort of the business that you have developed right now in Nonos? I know that we've reflected on the past, but let's like look to the future a little bit. So where is it taking you to? I don't know. Um, yeah. You know what? It's, it's, it's been challenging. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I love every minute of it. And no. I would much rather be having all of these challenges than sitting at a desk sending emails. But um, I think like a, a big lesson that I've learned is that like, no matter what, as an entrepreneur, you always need more money and you yep. always need more time. Yes. And so that has created a bit of like a challenge for us because, you know, any sort of like invest initial like seed money with like came from like our own Your pockets yeah exactly our pockets um we did get a like a chunk of money through the futurepreneur program mm. which is great yeah the they're great there the mentor and everything yeah he's amazing the people who work at futurepreneur were uh, like so great and like helped us through the whole process yeah um and helped us scale right because we were hand rolling all the ravioli mm -hmm. which yep. was like very slow you know we knew that we would only we would be like capping out at like our like ability to have more retailers and so we we got this loan through futurepreneur so that we could scale and uh we bought a ravioli machine yep so um which costs like the same as like a small car but essentially we were hand rolling 15 pounds of ravioli a day and the machine does 44 pounds an hour wow so it's a game changer it is a game changer. Yep. It took us about six months to like figure out how it works because we, we really got like two pages of like Italian text on how to make it work. Um, so it took us a while to figure out, but um, yeah, so we're there now. So now we have like the capacity to create more, um, mm -hmm. but you know, as you know, and I'm sure all, a lot of other people that you've spoken to, like, because you're wearing so many hats, there's like, we need to develop more product we need to do more marketing. We need to, you know, have more money to do more packaging, like yep. all these sorts of things yep. that you don't realize you're not like your own business owner that really impact like how fast and far you can move. Mm -hmm. um, so in terms of the future, so we just released a new lemon ricotta. I saw that. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, yep. Thank you. Very excited about it. Now going back to the tomato sauce, you're going to cry, but we actually have temporarily pulled it back it's okay. only because yeah. only because tomato sauce is a hard sell right tomato yeah. sauce is a hard sell because people are like i have tomato sauce that's accidentally vegan that i can sell for 2.99 and yeah store. yeah yeah or you can just go into shoppers or you know wherever like, you go grocery shopping and it's so easy to buy a good pasta exactly. sauce yeah understood. we retail for 9.99 now the the funny thing is like anybody who tries our sauce is like this is the best sauce i've ever tasted and i'm like yeah legitimately yeah yeah I know, but it's also a hard sell. It's hard to like get through the doors with that. So yeah. we've pulled back on that. And I think, you know, long-term we would like to release a line of sauces, but mm -hmm. I think until we have a few dialed, then, you know, we're going to hold back on that. So we've launched the lemon ricotta, which we're really excited about, but you know, that was months of um, figuring out what the recipe looked like, 
um, and then designing the packaging and then getting the labels and like all that sort of stuff. So yep. it, it is a process, especially when it's just two people. Mm. Um, so the future for us <laughs> circling back for the third time, I think it's just developing more product so that we yep. have more shelf presence, you yes. know, the, we need to create the shelf presence. And I think in that we can approach some of like the bigger chains nationally mm. um, in hopes to get it to break into those doors. Um, yeah, there's also, you know, we're open to like other ideas. Like our mentor always talks about like um, franchising. He's like, franchising's big, you know, you can like franchise, open up different kitchens in like different cities and go that route instead of, you know, finding a distributor who distributes nationally and all this stuff. So we don't necessarily need to fit in like the regular box of retail and, yeah. and we probably shouldn't, we probably should be looking more outward because I think that just selling to retail is not the easiest or more, most lucrative path. So um, yeah, like approaching restaurants to, mm. you know, because there's so many restaurants here that if you're a vegan, you go to, they have a salad, a veggie burger and a veggie bowl, like, yeah. options, right. So yeah, yeah. approaching restaurants and saying like, Hey, we've got this really easy three minute cook that you can decorate however you want in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, I think that might be a next approach for us. So yeah, just more product. And I guess just thinking outside of the box, for yeah. how, to, how to get our product out there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, you know, you nailed it on the head right at the start. It's also the time, you know, put aside for that strategic um, thinking and planning as well is pretty critical. Yeah. So, you know, you're a busy mum too. So how do you balance it? Uh, I don't, I, I don't know. And I don't even know if I do it properly. Luckily, you know, like we were talking about earlier, we do have family here. Yeah. So my yeah. parents help out a lot. Like my husband works a full-time job. He's the director of marketing with a, a local company. And, All right. um, you know, Haley's husband's virtually lives at the hospital because he. And on call, I can imagine. Yeah. 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 Exactly. So, um, it is a bit of a balance. Um, you know, sometimes it's early mornings and late nights, you know, sometimes it's like after the kids are put to bed, then we'll jump on a phone call and talk yep. about the weeks. I know all about that. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. Um, so I don't, I don't even know if I have an answer of how to balance it because it is just chaos. And I think sometimes I just accept that, like, this is just the season of life, right? Yeah. Like, That's a really good way to put it. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of roll with it. Yeah. Right? I know because the kids are only this age for, you know, once, yeah. you know, and like, we love the age of the kids that, yeah. that they're at right now. They're gorgeous. You know, there's so much fun and they're innocent and we're trying to mold their little personalities and their futures. And, you know, my wife and I put all of our time and energy into the kids, but we also want to progress our careers and we want to progress the position that we're in in life financially. And so like, it is a balancing game. And, you know, what I find is, you know, obviously I'm working on this podcast on the side of what I do at Food Pack and they're really the only hours that I get to spend on it are late in the evening. So the kids are down you've made the lunches you yep. know the house is squared away and then it's finally like quarter to nine and you're flipping open the laptop and they're not your best hours they're not i know no. so it is a juggling game but we just try and like be grateful for everything that we've got and then go hey listen like let's just do the best that we can that's sort of where we always end up that's it and yeah. you know what like i think that especially a lot of the retailers that we work with are a lot of like family-owned businesses yep. so they get it you know yeah a lot of support from them saying like do things at your own pace you know like nobody's yep. rushing you yeah um yeah so and that's just the reality like i can't push it anymore right with two yeah. people until we either get more funding or i don't know someone yeah. to buy us out like until that happens i just feel like we just go at the pace that we just can. keep showing up 
Yeah. I think that's yeah. the key, isn't it? Just keep showing up, putting your best foot forward and just, yeah, yeah keep producing. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is a struggle because, you know, we do live in like the most expensive city in Canada. Yeah, you're not wrong. Yeah, yeah you're not wrong. And so like, it, it is a struggle because, you know, the first few years of business, like you're not going to see anything coming back into your own pockets. Like you're yeah. investing right back into the business, yep. right? Yeah. Um, and we knew that going into it, which is, a, you know, a huge privilege in itself to be able to like, you know, start a business and run off of like a single income in the household. Yeah. Um, but even then, you know, like I, I'm realizing that like, you need to have a lot of money to start a business. It's yeah. Like, yeah. It's, it's the lifeblood, that, isn't it? It's a bit discouraging, yeah. you know, because you hear these, like there's that like Kim Kardashian clip this week that went viral where she's like, just effing work harder or something like that. That got a lot of pushback. That got yeah, a lot of pushback because it wasn't tied to reality. It like was, it was tied to her reality, which isn't the majority of the world. It's exactly. not our reality, you know? And I think that a lot of entrepreneurs probably start with big chunks of change in their pocket. And mm -hmm. they're just like, you just got to work hard and it'll yeah. happen for you. But I don't think that's the case for a lot of people. I mean, how, what is it like three out of five businesses fail within the first like yeah. years? Yeah, the right? stats are high. Yeah. And so- I don't think that's the reality. So I think if you come into it thinking like, oh, in a year I'll be making, you know, X amount of money. Like that's not, that's not true. Mm. Because you can work as hard as you possibly can with every hour that you have in the day. And yeah. not everybody has the same 24 hours, right? Like Actually, you know who shares their story really well is Lindsay from Picant. She always tells the entrepreneurial story about the challenges of growth and early days and, you know, funding the business and paying yourself and all that kind of stuff. She's very transparent with her situation and reality of that business, which I, I loved, you know, and we obviously had the conversation around it on the show that, you know, she came on to as well. Um, but yeah, it is a, uh, it is an uphill battle, but there are a lot of entrepreneurs doing some really cool things like, you know, pre-sales. So, and uh, crowdfunding campaigns, and there are ways around it. But once again, it takes a very strategic approach yeah. and it does take a lot of time and energy and also some funds to get a crowdfunding campaign up and running too. Like I had a chat with um, with uh, Better With Ice Cream and they're doing a front funder campaign, which is an equity crowdfunding or oh, equity. Okay. Uh, yeah, it was really cool. So there's a couple of episodes out there that I did um, along on those lines. And yeah, great conversation, but the upfront cost is quite significant to get a campaign yeah. like that going. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's another thing, like if you're not well-versed in even something like crowdfunding or yeah. pitching investors, like that's another hat you have to put on in life. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Yeah. So it is a, yeah, you, you do have to know a lot about a lot. Like that's, yeah. just, that's just how it goes. And you sort of like learn as you go. That's how it's been for us. Yeah. Cool just winging it yeah you mentioned earlier on that like the value in working at the commissary kitchen and you know being surrounded by your peers that are who are all sort of grinding it out as well um you know who do you lean on who is in your network um we so we work out of coho commissary yep. and we have several locations um a lot of businesses in coho are vegan as well yeah panella lemon panella lemon yeah she's so sweet gorgeous um so I would say, again, another big cheerleader for us and somebody who I look to for a lot of inspiration is Asha Wielden from Kula Kitchen. Oh, right. She's a phenomenal woman and she's a mom. She's an entrepreneur. She is like so community driven, which is like huge for us. Like we want to get there. Like we want to be a brand that like engages with community more, mm. you know, does. Yeah. Just isn't just a product. It's like we can create a community around it. And Asha is 
so good at that. And, um, she's helped us out a ton. You know, when I have those questions of like, where did you get your jars or where did you go get your packaging? Like that sort of stuff. She's been, she's been on it. Like, yeah, that's great. She's been an angel. You know, who else does a great job with connecting with their community is Jordan Hawking from Sriracha Revolver. Oh, really? The hot sauce. Yeah. She's out there. Like she's doing a really good job and like building her own community and her space. And I think that's, uh, she's got something going on that I always, uh, you know, really enjoy the content that she puts up on Instagram as well. Yeah. I mean, I think she's also out of the same. Yeah. She's out of Coho, um, but I'm not too sure which location she's at. I think, I think it's the Georgia one. Is it? Yeah. It's just so many good producers out of there. Like so many inspiring people, like Dumpling Kings out of there um yeah just uh elbow patties like just oh yeah really cool yeah yeah chris is one of our clients as well yeah yeah exactly so i mean just just a lot of great folks to lean on and i think that's the the thing that you forget in those moments of like i should probably just quit is that there are so many people who are willing to help out you know um in the same way that if somebody approached me and was like hey like i want to start this business what can i do i would be more than happy to yeah info you know there's yeah. not a lot of like gatekeeping in this industry it's like yeah yeah we're happy to share resources it's extremely open especially on linkedin as well like there are so many entrepreneurs and people in your space that are sharing their story and you know that common thread of understanding that you're not in and alone is really powerful yeah, it, it is it is it's very comforting um especially in those like heavier moments where you think like it's too overwhelming what the heck am i doing yeah, yeah. Where the fuck <laughs> <laughs> i go back and sit at a desk i don't know <laughs> Hey, listen, this sort of ties in nicely to my next question. So if you had the opportunity to whisper in the ear of yourself prior to starting Nonos with the knowledge that you have now, what advice would you give yourself? Um, I saw that question and I was, I was just thinking like, I would probably go back in time and tell myself to save better so that I can invest more money in the business. To be yeah. Okay. So uh, you would have like given yourself the advice to have a, a bigger purse to start up with. Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. Yeah. Maybe yes and no, because the thing, the thing about, I wish I would have lived life with like not very many regrets. And, you know, I spent my twenties and early thirties, just like, just getting out there, you know, like we moved out here to climb and engage with like the outdoor community out here. And, um, so yeah, it wasn't a lot of like chasing clout and paper and I'm okay with that. So like, yes, I would say in order to like, succeed you would probably want to have a bit more of like an investment into the business but yeah I don't know that's that's a tough question for me that's a tough question because I don't I think we're going to fumble along the way no matter what yeah right I don't think it's like parenthood like you can read all the books and get all the advice but like Mm -hmm. until you do it you're not you're not prepared you know what I mean oh yeah I've made like mistakes where I'm like what what, what was I doing? Like, what, why did I do that? Yeah, I know. And you learn from that mistake and you try not to do it again. And yeah, it's a constant role of, you know, improvement or self-improvement in that space for sure. Yeah. So maybe, I mean, just going back to my last point is like lean on, lean on the com- the community, because I think that people are more willing to help you than you yeah. probably think, you know, there is a lot of other people that are in the same boat. as you. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. And if we were to fast forward a year from now and you could say to me that you'd had your best year ever, what is it specifically that you would have accomplished? And this doesn't have to be work-related. It could be life, but it can. It could be work. Um, a year from now. Yeah. I think paying myself, in terms of like the business, paying, being at a place where I'm able to pay myself would be yep. great. Um, definitely having 
at least five more SKUs. Right. Um, being distributed nationally would be a dream <clears throat> or even internationally. Like I've heard from a lot of people that getting into the U S market is a lot easier than getting. Yeah. Canada. Yeah. 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 Um, you need to have a chat with Melissa from Spreadham kitchen. She's just done a course, um, to prepare her business to, um, for some success down in the States as well. And they're about to have a crack. And actually, I think they may have just entered into the market there, but yeah, yeah Melissa is just like you. Like she's willing to talk to everybody. Do you know yeah. what, do you know, Melissa? I don't know, but I love Spreadham Kitchen. Yeah, they're doing great things. They yeah. really are. And I actually saw that she was on your your last was it your last Yeah, one? last one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, you're right. Just I I really should be leaning more into the the community here. Um yeah, so definitely more SKUs. Um I would love I would love to have a, a team to be working with. That would yep. be ideal. delegate some yeah. tasks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um and that's the thing, like I'm also not afraid to to share the load because I think that like, I think that a lot of entrepreneurs kind of want to have that control and like think that they're the best at everything. And I certainly don't think that by any means. Um, so I could definitely use a lot of, a lot of help. Um, so yeah, a team would, a team would be wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't know, maybe the housing market crashes and we could buy a house for $200,000. Nice, yeah, I know. That dream, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would be cool yeah yeah no we're uh we've recited to the fact that we'll probably be renting for quite some time yeah, I know. yeah yeah that's all good there are other ways that we can move forward in life exactly exactly yeah yeah, I mean, yeah you're right you're right very good. Well, hey, listen, a lot to look forward to. And so thank you so much for being so willing to share your story. I think the two of you have got a great thing going on. And I'm really excited to see where you guys are in 12 months time. Maybe we could come back onto the show again and uh, do a catch up or a recap of this 12 months. I would love that. Awesome. Well, thank you very much. Have a good one. Oh, and before we go, what's the best way for people to get in touch? Um, so in terms of buying product, um, we have our list of retailers on our Instagram, which is at Nono's Pasta Shop. Yep. Um, they can purchase online on our website at nonaspastashop.com. Yeah. And um, you guys are listed on BC local route, aren't you? We are. Yep. Yep. yep exactly. Saw that. Yep. And, uh, yeah. And then if you just want to email and say, Hey, um, it's just hello at nonaspastashop.com. Um, yeah. We always love getting, getting notes from people. So perfect. Well, yeah. Heather, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah. You're welcome. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening today. If you have any questions from today's episode or would like to know more about what I can do to help you achieve your packaging vision, you can reach me directly at Hayden at thepackheavypodcast.com. You could DM me on Instagram at thepackheavypodcast, or we could also connect on LinkedIn and start a conversation there. I'll see you next week.